title of my message this morning is Our Race to Heaven. Our Race to Heaven. We're all on a journey, aren't we? And uh, we're fighting our way to glory. We're going to make it there, but how we make it, that's dependent upon us, isn't it? And so we'll see that as we go through that. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain. In other words, Paul's saying you ought to run as if there's only one person. Now, we all receive a prize, but you ought to be like you want to be the one who is first. You want to be the one who obtains that prize. That has the idea in Paul's thinking there. Now, in order to win a race, you have to finish that race. Amen? In order to run that race and win that race, you have to finish that race. Let me ask you something. What is your goal for your life? Huh? What is your goal? You know, there are those that are faithful, and uh, they amaze me sometimes. They, they got it. They know what they are doing, what they want to do. But there's an old saying, those who fail to plan, plan to fail. And that's true about the Christian go, the Christian life. My goal is to fight, to not let up, to continue on for Christ and to finish strong. Now that's my goal. Now if I get there in that way, that will be a blessing. But that's dependent upon the way that I live my life now, isn't it? A Christian life is compared to a race. The race is a marked-out journey to be fulfilled. I've said before, our race is not a 100-yard dash or sprint, but it's a marathon, isn't it? Our race begins at salvation, and it ends at death or at the rapture. And that's what we're hoping for. That's I am. I don't know about you. Our race begins at salvation and ends whether we die or we go up in that rapture. And our race, the course of our race, is not just flat. It's not always smooth terrain as we run this race. But our race also has mountains. It has valleys. It has curves. It has stretches of desert. And it has lots of difficulties in life. Our race is not who's the fastest or who gets there to the finish line first. But it's about a continuing on. It's about endurance to the end. God's purpose, God's course is different for everybody. God has a purpose and a plan. He's working in your life as he works in my life. And usually they're a little bit different for sure. Not all so much different, but different as we look at what God's will is for our individual lives. Hebrews 12.1 says this here. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Remember, the race is God's purpose for our life. But he says they're run with patience. That word patience there is used some 70 plus times in the Bible. 
And you wonder why God uses that word so often. It's because few begin their race, but only a few will ever finish well. And that's a tragedy, isn't it? Often believers, they get sidetracked. For some reason, they begin to sit on the sidelines. They're uninvolved. They allow the world, the flesh, the devil to dictate their life, their behavior, their lifestyle, their conduct, their priorities. And it's those things then that begin to draw them away from God. So some people are out of the race even before it ends. They started good, but they just sort of kind of give up the race. Some of you remember the 500-mile race when one of the rookies, he went over and he hit another car and knocked that car out. And that car was Mario Andretti's. And that was one of my favorite drivers, of course, back then. That ages you, doesn't it? And, uh, but he was one of the uh, premier drivers that I really liked. And the amazing thing is he didn't get to finish the race. And as a matter of fact, he didn't even begin the race because he got knocked out on the parade lap. I'll think that through because of something. Today, the Indy Marathon race. At the start, it's always crowded. But then after a little time, it kind of thins out, doesn't it? You see that way in a lot of believers' lives. They start out on fire. They try to read their Bible. They try to go to church. They learn how to pray. They try to get involved. They are bold in witnessing. As a matter of fact, when a person gets saved, usually the people they run with are lost, so that makes that a great opportunity to try to be bold in their witnessing to see if some of those people might get saved. And a lot of people are good at that. But along the way... They kind of get distracted, too busy with other things. They might even fall into sin or they get hurt at church for some reason. But a lot of people, they start, but they don't finish well. Not as God desires them to finish. And you know, I think that's important. God desires every one of us to finish our race well. He wants that. Now, there are a lot of exceptions of from people that quit. I'm grateful for that. In my office, I have a pictures of a lot of great old-time preachers, and they finished well. Uh, we've had a lot of people who are finishing well now, but a lot of people who have passed, and they were faithful to the end. So many over my period of 40-something years in ministry, and they were faithful. And I, I say to myself, they did it, that means I can do it. If they did it, why not me? So you ask yourself, what does it take to finish your race well? Once you realize you're a sinner, you can't save yourself. So you look outside of yourself and you see there was somebody who loved you enough, being the son of God, died for your sins, was buried and rose again. And at that time when you heard that, faith in your heart blossomed you believed in Christ and his finished work. Now, that started your race, your journey. And God wants you to finish that. Here's some things we, we need to have in our life 
in order to finish that race well. First of all, we refuse to compromise our integrity as a believer. We refuse to compromise our integrity as a believer. Integrity, being honest and trustworthy. Integrity is when our private life is consistent with our public life. Can I get a word there? Amen. It states in 2 Corinthians 4.2, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Let them look at me. I will be honest. I will be trustworthy because I will be a person of integrity. That means we're real. We're genuine. We're authentic. We're not fakes. We're not phonies. Amen? We try to live out God's truth for other people to see in open display. It means we're not hypocritical. We don't wear a mask. We don't try to manipulate behind the scenes or whatever. I am a Christian. I love God and I want to live for God. It's our faith's integrity that gives us our credibility. If we have no integrity, we don't have credibility. And when you have integrity, then you can be believed. Now because of our Sinful hearts, because of our flesh, it's a real battle at times, isn't it? I know it's a battle. I fight it all the time, and it takes work. I wrote some things down about integrity. Integrity is needed to make right, correct decisions. Without integrity, you can't make a good, godly decision. Psalm 119, 127 says this, Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. And that's not the verse, but that's a good verse. That's okay. That's my mistake, fellas. Uh, I must have written the wrong one down. But you need to have integrity to make godly good decisions. And then also, integrity understands you're being watched. Integrity helps you not to be blinded by the God of this world. And uh, you're watched by others. You're watched by God. Satan comes along, he whispers in your ear in a sense, no one will ever know. It's okay. <laughs> no, it, that's a lie. God sees everything. Somebody said this, integrity is what you are when no one's watching but the truth is, integrity is what you are when you realize God is watching because he always sees it. And then integrity can see because it's in, in tune with God, it, it can see we reap what we sow. I mean, that's so, sometimes Christians just forget that. If we sow sin and gossiping, lying and cheating, immorality and stealing and modesty and faithfulness, we're going downhill. We're going to reap a whirlwind. We are going to have some real consequences to our sin. 
What we sow is what comes up. Back to you. Amen? And integrity, what it does, it knows that, and so it chooses God's way, God's word, and it chooses to sow godliness. And when you sow godliness, the fruit of that is blessedness. God honors you. He blesses you. He takes care of you. Doesn't mean you're not going to have any problems, but God, he will be there for you. You see, integrity knows that dishonesty damages our character. And we don't want that to be damaged, do we? I told you the story before, but it fits here. Coach Cleveland Stroud of Georgia, his high school basketball team won the state championship. Later they found out that one of their players had played one game for 45 seconds. That was it. And then they found out he was ineligible. So Coach Stroud, he sent this information to the State Athletic Association, and they took away the championship trophy from the team. Some of the people, they complained, and people said, why did you do that? That player, He only played 45 seconds in one game. That didn't matter. You should have been quiet. You shouldn't have said a word. And the coach said this. He said, I told my boys that people forget the scores of basketball games, but they never forget what you're made of. And I believe that's true. It takes for you to finish your race well integrity. Not only that, it takes humility. Uh, Proverbs 11.3 says this here, The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressions shall destroy them. Integrity leads to the humility. Humility is we understand. We are saved by grace. We live in grace. We are what we are, if we're anything, by grace. That's what Paul said. I am what I am by the grace of God. Somebody said this, stay humble or you will stumble. <laughs> stay humble or you will stumble. Proverbs 18, 12. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, and before honor is humility. That's a good statement right there. I've given you the lesson of the well. The lesson is when you get to the top and you're ready to blow, that's when you get harpooned. Amen? Or he who gets too big for his britches usually gets exposed in the end. <laughs> you understand that one? Amen. Are you proud or are you humble? And that determines your race. Amen? Are you proud? Proverbs 13, 10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with well-advised as well. If you just are full of pride, let me say, you're going to have contention all the time in your life. Or are you humble? James 4. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. 
A humble person relies on God. That's why he can resist the devil and defeat him. How do we be humble? Well, a good start is to be honest about our weaknesses. You know, there's, there's a secret. Everybody knows we're not perfect. Everybody knows you're not perfect. No one has it all together. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Amen? You see, our life is about him and his working in us. That's why Philippians 2.13 says this here, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's God's working in us that matters. And that's why our focus, it needs to be God, and we need his help, and not so much of trusting ourselves. Too often we trust ourselves rather than trusting our God. And when we trust ourselves, we lack the power necessary to be able to live for God. Amen? Somebody said this. I thought it was good. Humble people don't think less of themselves, but they think of themselves less. Amen? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the older. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that you may, you may ex he may exalt you in due time. So I need, I need to have integrity. And I need to have humility in my life. The third thing I need is we have to renew our spirit daily. This is one of the most difficult things for me. Having devotions might be easy for you, but it's difficult for me. And one of the reasons, I believe, is that I'm in the Bible quite often. I'm in the Bible every day, and I'm studying, and I'm looking. That, but that takes away from your personal devotion sometimes. And that is a real battle for some people. It is for me. It's a difficult, tiring race at times. Amen? And it's vital we find a way to be rejuvenated with a God freshness from time to time. 2 Corinthians 4.8, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We need a fresh encounter with a God freshness daily in our walk. Outwardly, physically, the race is wearing us down. This race of life is wearing us out. And at times, we're fatigued. Even at times, we're overwhelmed. 
but we can be renewed, refreshed in our spirit through the word and the spirit of God each day. Now don't miss this. Our energy to be able to live out this day, our energy to continue on for Christ comes from the inside. Did you hear that? Comes from the inside because we're daily in his word. Psalm 119 verse 28, My soul melteth for heaviness, strengthen thou me according to thy word. You ever have your heart melt? I'm just overwhelmed. This is too much. I can't handle this. Strengthen me. How? Through thy word. Daily we get in the word. We're hearing him. We're reading about him. We're following him. And as a result of doing that, that recharges us. We're fresh once again to make it through the day. And by the way, we can't do this alone. We need other people of faith to help encourage us to hang in there, to don't quit, to challenge us to keep on keeping on at times. I've always looked at Hebrews 10 in a different way. I know it's to Israel, but I was thinking about this, what he actually was saying. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. We need encouragement of others of faith, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. I don't believe he's talking about church there, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Don't isolate yourself. You need to be around people who have a word around people who love God, who if you're down, they can say something that might encourage you to keep on going. You know, Moses had Aaron and Hur. David had Jonathan. Jesus had the 12. Paul had Timothy, Silas, Luke. Who do you have? Who do you have that will encourage you in your daily walk to keep on going? So, we don't compromise our integrity. We live with humility and our spirit recharged daily. And then lastly, we remain focused on Christ and eternity. We remain focused on Christ and eternity. You know, in a long race, if you don't stay focused, bad things usually happen. Huh? Bad things usually happen. I remember as a youngster, I used to have guys race me all the time. I was little, but I had piston legs. <laughs> and I could run fast. I was fast. And uh, I remember somebody wanted to race me the quarter mile over at Emanuel. And so I raced him, and he was going pretty fast, so I stayed right on, right, right behind him. And we were in, went around the first corner there. He was just flying. I was just right behind him. We were going down the back stretch, and I was just behind him. We were going in the final curve there, and I felt like my lungs were going to explode. 
and, but I just stayed right behind him, and he went by the wayside. He couldn't keep up the pace in the race. And so I just went on by him smiling. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but you know, if you focus on yourself, you say, boy, I'm tired, my muscles hurt, how much further do I have to go, where's the other runner? And what that does, that slows you down, that sidetracks you to begin to look at other things and not kept on the go. And our goal is Christ and eternity. In the believer's life, we have to stay focused. Now get this. We have to stay focused on the temporal versus the eternal. Most of the time we never even consider that. But we have to stay focused what's important in life. The temporal or the eternal. 2 Corinthians again, 4, 17, 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, the eternal. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to become aware of God's purpose in why he saved us. And that is to keep us focused on the temporal versus the eternal. The temporal is not always bad. But it's not the best thing for our life many times. And so the chief aim of man is what? Is to glorify God. And God says if you can keep a mindset on me and eternity, you'll glorify me. Our eternal priority, now don't miss this, our eternal priority is greater than our human necessities. Did you get that? Our eternal priority, eternity, is greater than our worldly human necessities. Our main focus, the main focus, is not our career, our finances, our successes, or our lust of our flesh. Why? None of them last. Amen? And some of you, I know we have to participate in life, but some of your life needs to be lived for eternity. Do you understand that? What part of your life is living for eternity that would glorify him? Colossians 3, 1, you know it well. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead with Christ, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Why should we set our things, our affections on above, and not on things on the earth as our main priority or goal? 1 John 2, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, 
And this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The reason our main focus should be Christ and eternal things is the things of this world that we put so much value upon. I'm not saying don't participate. I'm not saying don't enjoy some things. I'm not saying that. But as our priority, as our go, they just will go one day. And they'll pass away. The reason many quit the race is they simply forget why they're doing it. <laughs> Romans 12, 2 says this here, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Often I get tired. I get overwhelmed. I get overaged. Lord, help me. I have more pains and aches now than I've ever had in, in all these years I've lived. It's, it's unbelievable. It would be easier to stop running the race and try to grow flowers around my house. But inside me, there's a drive, something that causes me to keep on going. And a couple of those things is, first of all, I don't want to be ashamed when I face him. I don't want to be ashamed. I want him to be, what, pleased with me? Also, I have the fear of staining my testimony that he's had to work with. I apologize to the Holy Spirit quite often. I'm sorry you have to stay with me every day of my life. You ever been there? Uh, I said, oh, God. <laughs> he's in you and and I'm putting him through this. And, uh, but I don't want to stain my testimony that he's worked to this point and is still working in me. There's that old song, we've come this far by faith. And I don't want that faith to stop, in a sense. And then the lastly, I, I want to make it to the end for him. You know, he went all the way to the end. It's called Calvary. The cross. And he didn't waver. He didn't stop. He finished his race. And I want to honor him by me finishing my race. I always wondered why. I, I know now Dr. Robert, uh, Robertson used to always say, don't go to the left, don't go to the right. Just stay straight forward toward Christ. I said, well, that's a good I, It's so true. You all, you've seen... And I've showed it before, the movie, the movie of Rudy, the football young kid, finally got to play at Notre Dame. But he went to Notre Dame his senior year. He dressed the final game. He never got to play it again, always on the, uh, in the game, always on practice squad until finally the last game, the last two plays of the game. He played. He made a tackle. They carried him off the field on their shoulders. That's the last time everybody, anybody's ever been carried on their shoulders out of, out of the stadium of Notre Dame. His perseverance, his patience of continually pressing toward that goal. 
But I say to you, there's nothing that compares to the reception that the believer will receive if you run your race with patience. When you enter heaven, you'll meet God, the angels. We hope some of your family, some of your friends, those you've influenced for Christ, and I believe with all my heart they'll be cheering your name. <laughs> you did it. You finished the race. Amen. But the greatest thing you'll hear in heaven, you'll hear God. Good job. You fulfilled your race. Even when you faltered, you got back up. And you continued your race. So now what I want you to do, celebrate eternity with me. Boy, is that going to be a time or what? Amen? Last two verses and I close. 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Turn your phone off. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall, uh, righteous judge shall give me that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Will he be pleased with us one day? Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ. And to finish my race and die is gain. Amen. How about you and your race? Where are you today? I just encourage you to keep on going. If you fail, God bless you. We love you. Step, get back up, wipe the dust off. And keep. I've fallen so many times in my walk as a Christian. I have holes in my knees from dusting off the dirt from falling. <laughs> But God's grace is always sufficient, always there. For his sake, his sake, let's go all the way for him. Father, we love you today. We're thankful that you finished your race on an old hill called Golgotha. There you gave your very blood, your very life for us, for our sin for the debt that we owed because of our sin. And you took our place. You paid our penalty, our price for our salvation. And you died. But thank, thank you that the fact that three days later you rose from the grave and you're alive so that we could be justified. God, I don't understand that kind of love but God, may some of it get in my heart so that I will be challenged to keep on running my race until you call us home. Each and every young person, old person, doesn't matter who it is, those who have believed in Christ, may they get up and run for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. 
Until next week, may God richly bless you is our prayer.